Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Uh, everybody good this morning? Uh, sometimes you come to church and there's a little hum, there's a little hum in the building. A little, everybody's chatty this morning. Did you notice that when you walked in, everybody's real happy? Uh, that's really good. I, I like that. That's always a good thing. I uh, hope you're doing well this morning. If you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 11, we're doing a series here in the Gospel of John. We're just kind of like taking a slow stroll through the Gospel. And what we're doing is we're looking at all seven of Jesus's I am statements. There are seven I am statements where Jesus says, I am, and then something. He might say, I am the bread of life. Uh, he might say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, or I'm the light of the world. Uh, he says a lot of things. And what we're going to look at today is John chapter 11, where he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And the reason we're doing this is what we want to do is we want to come as, as believers here at the vineyard. We want to come to be the people who find Jesus to be who he says he is. We want to give God the space to show us who he is. We want to hear the words. And then in our actual lives, we want to make a little room to go, you know what? Jesus is, he really is becoming the bread of life to me. He's becoming the thing that satisfies and nourishes me. Jesus really is the light of the world to me. He's, he's the one who illuminates uh, reality and truth to me. Uh, Jesus really is the resurrection, hopefully this morning. And he wants to raise up uh, things that are dead and uh, things that are, uh, have lost their life. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to look at John chapter 11. And Seth, if you could just help me. Why don't we just put this up? We're jumping right in the middle of a story. You probably remember this story. This is where someone, and the someone is Mary and Martha. They're friends of Jesus. They send word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus is sick. And they say, hey, you should, you should come help us out, Jesus. Uh, Lazarus is really sick. And Jesus is like, I'll come. And uh, he gets a little delayed. And by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus is dead. And he's been dead for four days. So this is what happens. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And this is our text this morning. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We'll stop there. Uh, resurrection is one of the most precious words in the whole Bible. As Frederick Beckner says, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Uh, just when all hope is lost, uh, just when something comes to the end, uh, maybe Maybe it's something beautiful like a human life. Uh, how many of you have ever lost somebody 
precious in your life. You know, there's, a, there's an attending grief that comes from losing a person that's unlike anything else that, that human beings experience. And, and so maybe, maybe in a moment of great loss, like losing a person, or, or, or maybe it's something less significant, but it's precious nonetheless. Something like the end of a relationship. Uh, you don't have to put your hand up. Anybody in here ever had a bad breakup? Maybe, maybe, maybe you lost a relationship, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, and uh, maybe it wasn't a relationship or a person, but, but maybe you lost a job that you really loved. Or, or maybe you moved. Maybe you got a new job and it, and it forced you to move and you, and you left a town or a city that you really loved. And, and not only did you leave a town, but you were thrust into a city where literally no one knows you and you don't know anyone. Uh, This is what resurrection means. Just when you're tempted to think that all the good stuff is in the rearview mirror, you know? Uh, How many of you you are still living in high school days, you know? The glory days of high school. And maybe you've reached that point in your life where you think, well, all the good stuff's already happened to me. You know, the kids are grown. uh, The house is a little quiet. And uh, I can't can't throw a football quarter mile anymore. And... (laughs) And I can't run like I used to. And all the, all the good stuff's in, you know, I'm just, just like slow decline now, you know? Everything's already happened. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like you peaked. Uh, maybe you're feeling like you peaked too soon. Uh, if you are in any of those categories, here's what resurrection does. It comes along to you and says, hey, why don't we have another go? That's what resurrection means. It means let's have another go. Which is why when you hear the word resurrection, I hope that everybody in the room thinks the word hope. Hope and the word resurrection actually go together. And even this morning, I'd love it if everybody in the room would think about their life. Uh, is, there anything, is there anything dead in your life this morning? Uh, is there anything that feels lost? Uh, is there anything that feels hopeless? Is there anything that feels sad? Anything that feels like, well, maybe, maybe it peaked. Uh, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to hold that out to God because Jesus has words for everybody in the room who's experienced lost hopelessness or that sense that something has peaked. Jesus has words for us today, and these are the words. I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. That's what Jesus says. So here's the story this morning. Lazarus is sick. Word gets sent. Jesus shows up, but he's four days late. Martha comes out and says, you know, Lord, if you'd only been here sooner, this this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus says, well, your brother will rise again. And she's like, yeah, I know, like later, right? And Jesus is like, well, I don't know. I'm the resurrection and the life, like maybe today. And we know the story. Jesus cries over Lazarus' tomb, then he speaks to Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets out, and he's got bits of grave clothes hanging on him. It's a dramatic scene. The next thing that happens is they give Jesus a dinner in his honor, right? Like if you raised Lazarus from the dead, you'd cook him dinner too. That's my favorite part. John chapter 12 is like the dinner, and it's like, well, why? Well, it's because he's alive again. But here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about four implications of resurrection. Four implications 
of resurrection from the text this morning. Jesus' words and his actions. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, number one, first thing I want to say to you this morning is resurrection. Resurrection is a person. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, this is a little bit on the obvious side, but we actually have to dig into it because the implications go rather deep. Uh, resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. A resurrection is not simply something uh, we wait for. Some, it's not something we go to. Uh, resurrection is not the lottery that a few people hope to one day win. It's not celestial Coachella for a select few. So it's not, it's not something... It's not something for the VIPs. Uh, it's not a VIP dinner for people who've been on their best behavior for 80 years. Uh, resurrection uh, is, is not reserved for those who are spiritually inclined. Instead, resurrection is a person. And, and not only is resurrection is a person, but resurrection is a person named Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing about that. Because it's a person, resurrection means that it's something we can come to know even before we experience it fully. Resurrection is something we can know even before we experience it fully. Uh, how many people in the room have ever traveled and before you took the trip, you started reading about the trip or maybe watching back episodes of Anthony Bourdain <laughs> about the trip? Anybody ever done that? Like, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even get off the plane unless I look and see if Bourdain had been there. <laughs> yeah. And the beautiful thing about maybe reading a travel book or seeing what Tony did when he was in town is that you can come to know a bit of the experience that you're about to be fully immersed in. Isn't that right? In, in the same way, because resurrection is a person... Uh, resurrection is something we can come to know now, even before we experience it fully. It's something we can begin to get to know. Resurrection is not a reward for passing a test. By the way, there is no test that's going to be given in the future. Many Christians are studying for tests that will never be given. No one's going to stand at any gate and say, well, could you name all the books of the Bible? Uh, <laughs> No one's going to stand at any gate and say, well, can you, can you recite the Beatitudes to me? You know, if you, if you just get everything down, you know, uh, can, you, can, you, can, you, can you give me the catechism word for word? There's, there's no tests that are going to be given. Resurrection's not a reward in that way. Instead, resurrection is a person. Resurrection is a person. And because that person is Jesus, uh, resurrection is something that you can start knowing today. He's here in the room by the Spirit. Jesus is available to us today. He can start to reveal himself to you. And here's who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus is not someone who just says he's the resurrection, but he's, the some, he's someone who practices resurrection even before his own resurrection. He's the Jesus who raises up Jairus' daughter in Mark. Do you guys remember that? Uh, Jairus comes up to Jesus and falls at his feet and says, Lord, my daughter is sick, only to find out his daughter's not sick. She's dead. And Jesus raises her up. Uh, Jesus is the Jesus 
who raises up Lazarus here in John chapter 11. Uh, but he's not just the Jesus who practices raising up dead people. He raises up everything, everything that, that falls into the grip of death. Uh, my favorite is in John chapter 2, verse 1. I, I don't know if you knew that this was a resurrection passage. Seth, can we put it up, please? John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding that took place in Cana, and Jesus' mother was there. We'll just stop right there. Do you guys, you guys remember this story uh, about the wedding in Cana? What happens at the wedding in Cana? They run out of wine, right? Uh, I, love, I love the way that John frames it here in John chapter 2, verse 1. What are, the, what are the first words that John starts this chapter with? It's not a trick question. On the third day. Why do you think, why do you think John notes that it's on the third day? It's his way of saying this is a resurrection story. Like, when did Jesus get up? On the third day. This is John's way of saying that everything that's about to happen with this wedding in Cana, it's a resurrection story. Jesus is the resurrection, and even before his death and resurrection, he's always practicing resurrection. He raises up Jairus' daughter. He raises up Lazarus. And in John chapter 2, what dies? The party. They run out of wine, and the party is dead, and they go to Jesus and they say, there is no more wine. And if you show up, and uh, if you are the kind of person who has the good, let me put it this way, if you're the kind of person who has the good sense to invite the resurrection to your wedding, if you run out of wine, and by the way, if you run out of wine, why did you run out of wine? Because you drank it all. And if you ask the person who is the resurrection and the life, if you ask him to get involved, Jesus will make too much wine for people who have already had too much wine. He will raise the party back to life. Jesus is always practicing resurrection. So number one, implications of resurrection. Resurrection is a person. Resurrection is a person and that person is Jesus. And the good news for everybody in the room this morning is that we can get to know him and we, get to get, we can get to know resurrection. We can begin to experience the reality of resurrection before we fall into it fully. Uh, number two, number two this morning, matter matters. Matter Matters. A resurrection means that matter, stuff. Go ahead and just, why don't you touch your body right now? Touch your, if it's appropriate, reach to the person who's next to you and touch their shoulder. Look at the person next to you and say, you matter. Resurrection means that matter matters. And Jesus says that if anyone believes in him, they will live after they die. That's what he says in John chapter 11, verse 25. He says, even after a person dies, they will live. Not their memory. And this is really important. Jesus is saying that the person, the substance, will live even after they die. Not their memory, <clears throat> not their disembodied soul will find rest and peace. 
The idea that a person's memory will live on or that a person's disembodied soul will live on is patently unchristian. Resurrection is about matter. Resurrection is about bodies. Resurrection is about the universe, the substance, the soil. It's about nature. It's about creation. It's about all of the stuff. The idea, the, the idea that maybe a disembodied soul will find peace, not only is it patently unchristian, it's rooted in the dualistic Greek notion that there's a principal division between body and soul and that the soul is good, but the body is bad. Or that the spirit is good, but the substance is bad. And Jesus is saying no to all of it because he's going to raise up physical bodies and he's going to raise up the cosmos in the eschaton. Resurrection means that matter matters. The story of the Bible is this, that creation is what? Good. The first thing that God says about creation is that it's good. And when he makes human beings, we read the passage out of Genesis this morning. Some of y'all are like, why are we reading Genesis this morning? Uh, we wanted to read Genesis for two reasons this morning. Number one, we read that story about how, how God forms mankind out of the soil, right? Takes the soil and he breathes the breath of life into it and, and mankind wakes up into the face of God. We read it for two reasons this morning. Uh, number one, because matter matters and because God says that creation is good and that human beings are very good. And, and number two, because it's this first moment where the Spirit of God is exhaled into a human person and it's Pentecost Sunday and we want to receive that Spirit again even this morning. But, but the, resurrection means, the resurrection means that matter matters. And it's not just your body that matters. Uh, it, it, means, it means something deeper. It means something like this. It means that bodies are good. And, and maybe to underline that point for a moment, uh, Jesus, Jesus says this and he does this. He, he, raises up, he, he, he raises up bodies. And here's some of what that means. It means something like this. It means that your body is not to be despised. Like we live in a culture that is, that is in some ways body-obsessed, and it causes many people to, to, to hate themselves, like to hate themselves interiorly and exteriorly. And here's what the resurrection means. It means like your body is good. It's not to be despised. It means, that, it means something deeper than that, though, too. It means that life is treasure. It means that the life you have is meant to be treasure. It means that working to make life good is not a fruitless endeavor. Like to give yourself to purpose, it matters. Why? Because, because God has given you a life and then after you die, it's God's intention to raise your life back up. So to give your life to goodness and to give your life to meaning and to give your life to purpose, that's actually to live in congruence with the grain of the universe. It's to live your life in congruence with the purpose of God. Like to give yourself to goodness in every single direction. That's the point. And it's so much the point that one day God is going to resurrect all of it. And instead of people, instead of people who say magic words flying off into a disembodied heaven, instead of that, bodied people are going to be raised up and heaven and earth are going to be joined. So here's the thing. Like if you grew up with this notion that all you have to do is come up here after church and say some magic words to me and that God will save you. And then after you die, your disembodied soul will fly off to heaven one day and everything will be fine. That ain't it. That's just not it. 
Instead, 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 come to know the resurrection and the life today. His name is Jesus. Familiar, familiarize yourself with the back episodes of Bourdain because we're going to make a trip and we're not going to make a trip by our memory and we're not going to make a trip by our disembodied souls. In fact, God's going to raise up your body and heaven and earth are going to be joined. The, the end of Revelation is that John sees a new Jerusalem coming where? Out of heaven to where? To the earth. N.T. Wright says that heaven and earth are going to overlap. Like the end is not we're leaving. It's not escapism. Resurrection means there's no escaping. There's no escape hatch. We're not, we're not ejecting. Instead, reality is coming. A new reality is deeper reality. The deepest reality is coming. That's what resurrection means. That's why here at the Vineyard, we don't, we don't preach escapism. It's also why we encourage people to flourish and to live from a place of joy. You were meant to live from a place of joy and to enjoy your lives. And this is also why social justice is hugely important because resurrection means you can't divide the soul and the body in God's coming kingdom. I want to, say, I want to put a really fine point on this. Resurrection means that social justice is deeply and desperately important because you cannot divide body and soul in God's coming kingdom. And to put a really fine point on this, you have to understand it like this. In America's history, in America's history, slave owners preached the gospel of salvation of souls to their slaves while they kept them slaves. And that's an unchristian, it's deeply unchristian. Why? Why? Because you cannot divide body and soul in God's kingdom. That is to, that's to deny creation and it's to deny the resurrection. It's why we have to look around and go, where is, where is life? Any life struggling, that's where we're called to go. That's where we're called to partner. That's where we're called to help. Why? Because we're resurrection people. We're resurrection people. And one day, one day, heaven is going to come to earth. Ain't nobody escaping. One day, heaven is going to come to earth. Reality is going to set in, and we might want to make preparation. Does this make sense? Matter matters. Go ahead and touch your body again. It matters. It matters. That's, that's a deeply Christian idea. What, who you are matters. What you do matters. What you're setting yourself to matters. And then looking around and going, is there anybody struggling? That's a, that question, is anyone struggling? That's a resurrection thought. Number three, I'm feeling the juice. <laughs> I think I also had too much coffee too. I don't, I, <laughs> this happens sometimes. It's like not even, it's not even the Lord. I mean, it could be the Lord, but it's mostly just caffeine. I get like shaky. It's like, whoo. Just realized I didn't eat anything this morning. I just drank, I was just pounding coffees. Um, number three, uh, implications of resurrection now and later. Now and later. I just realized I'm, I'm like channeling this American life. <laughs> now and later. <laughs> Iraglass. Um, sometimes when we hear the word resurrection, we think later, don't we? We think one day, uh, up ahead, far off. And, and make no mistake, like capital R resurrection, it's up ahead, it's coming. 
But here's, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 11. It's also now. Seth, can we put up verse 24, please? Uh, Lazarus is dead. Martha comes out and says, Lord, you know, if you'd been here. And Jesus says, well, your brother, he's going to rise again. And look, look at what Martha says. She says in verse 24, yes, he'll rise when everyone else rises at the last day. What's in her brain? Later. What does Jesus say in verse 25? Now, verse 25, Seth, can we put it up? I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody who believes in me will live even after they're dead. And then what does Jesus do? He calls Lazarus out of the grave, right? So, so Martha's thinking, yeah, I got you on the resurrection thing. It's later. And Jesus redirects her and says, no, it's now. What is resurrection? It's now. And it's later. And here's the truth and the good news for us in the room this morning. It might be breaking in on some of us today. And here's why. Because Jesus is here. Like the resurrection and the life is here. It could break in on you this morning. Jesus said in the Gospels that he would show up whenever two or more gathered in his name. And here we are, a few hundred of us. Like he, he owes us. That's how, that's how I read that. Like you said it. Like It's later, but it's also... Now, the good news this morning is that resurrection life is available now. The powers of the age to come are breaking in early. Uh, number four. Number four. Through, not around. Uh, I love the hope of resurrection. Uh, I love the way it's a ballast in a stormy world. But we should read the words of Jesus carefully so we don't miss the weighty nature of what he says. Seth, can we put 25 up again? Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We should read that really carefully through, not around. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. I hope you notice this morning that Jesus's words of hope about resurrection, they're not words of avoidance and they're not words of escape. And in fact, the life and story of Jesus is one of through, not around. And, and let me just be honest here with you for a moment. Uh, I don't know about you, but I would often rather go around rather than through. Wouldn't you? Like if you could choose, wouldn't you just rather on many things in life, wouldn't you choose to just avoid it? Like, ah, that's going to be hard. I would rather not do that. Just like, isn't there a round cut somewhere, Jesus? I'd love to avoid but here's what I found. Oftentimes, in fact, most times, it's, it's not possible. And, and here's the truth for everybody in the room this morning. This is a fun one. Uh, everybody in the room is terminal. Everybody's going to die. Like, and we're charismatics. We believe in healing. Here, here's another one. You're going to die. Everybody's going to die. I mean, unless he shows up early, you're going to die. We're all terminal. We're all terminal. But the good news of resurrection is this. Even, even in the places where you can't go around and you have to go through, the good news for everybody in the room is this. Uh, you don't have to pretend. That's what resurrection means. Resurrection means no one has to pretend. Uh, no, one, no one in the room 
No one has to give in to charismatic denial strategies. This is actually really, really big, okay? Especially for, for people who do believe in, in healing and who believe in prayer. Uh, you, don't, you, you can believe in healing, you can believe in prayer, you can experience it, and at the same time, you don't have to be a denial person. Uh, you don't have to pretend you're not sick when you really are. Uh, you don't have to hold it all in when life is falling apart. If your life is crappy, if your life is crappy, resurrection says you can say so. There's a whole part of my life that's dead. Uh, there's, a, there's a piece of my life that really sucks. There's a part of my life that is hurting. Uh, you don't have to believe like a Pentecostal or charismatic idea that says, oh, well, don't say that. It's a negative confession. You'll invite the devil in and give him a foothold. No, you won't. No, you won't. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, anybody who believes in me will live even after dying. Did you notice the dying part there? Jesus doesn't say you'll live so long as you don't confess that you're dying and pretend you don't have cancer. What does it mean? It means this. It means this. There is hope through the storm. And some storms you will never go around. You will go through them. And there will be hope on the other side. Uh, you don't have to live in denial land. You don't have to pretend. And by the way, uh, if you've ever lived in denial land or if you've ever pretended so that you could remain a good Christian, you'll know how devastatingly crushing that is. And it's good news to hear you don't have to do that anymore. You can just let go of that maintenance strategy and you can say, you know what? I love the Lord and my life is not going great, you know? Or I, I am committed to Jesus and I cannot find him and there's a whole part of my life that feels very dead. Uh, I am actually and literally very sick in my body and we have prayed and up to this point, nothing has happened. Uh, I am really struggling with my children. We did everything we knew to do and, and they've gone nuts, you know? Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to pretend, you know? It's like you can just call it what it is uh, because here's part of the Christian life. In fact, most of it, it's through, not around. And it's the testimony of Jesus. Like Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, hey, if I could do around, can I go around? And the answer was no, through. Like even, like, look, the hope for around is a fine hope. Uh, Jesus had it. But sometimes the answer, in fact, oftentimes the answer in your life will not be around, it will be through. Uh, for those of us in our life who have experienced uh, pain and trauma, especially historic pain and trauma from your family, let me tell you, Pray for a round, but here's the answer. It'll be through. You'll, you'll have to face it. And it'll, it'll be devastating, you know? But, but the hope is, the hope is that someone will be with you in the storm, and it's Jesus. He's always the guy asleep in the back of the boat. Like, whatever storm you're going through, there's a guy who is at, at rest in the back of the boat, and you can call to him, you know? Uh, if there's pain in your life, if there's trauma in your life, uh, face it. If there's difficulty in your marriage, you, you will not, your marriage will never get better by saying, uh, praise God, we're blessed. <laughs> it will not. She will get angrier. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work. It, it only gets better by facing it. If your kids go nuts, it won't get better by pretending everything's fine or just blocking it out. Like, oh, that's not happening. That's, that's, we're great. No, no, the life comes what? After dying, after dying. 
And some of us here, like, like some of us here, maybe, maybe you need to let the thing die. You know, maybe that like the thing that's in your life that you, that is dead and you've been pretending is alive. Maybe you should just let it die. Maybe you should just quit the, the avoidance strategy and the denial strategy of, of trying to maintain the thing that actually isn't alive. Uh, I, I had this thought one time. I had this thought that sometimes what we do is, especially in this kind of a thing where we're pretending, it's like, you ever cut a tree down? It's like there's this tree and you cut it down, there's a stump, and then, and then you really like that tree, so you start bringing buckets of water out and you start watering the stump. It's like, man, you know, the stump of my marriage, I just, just got to pour some water on that thing. It'll grow... Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you're just wearing yourself out hauling water, you know? Maybe, maybe the idea of your perfect family is, is just wearing you out and you're just pouring water on a dead stump. Man, let it die. Why? Because the other thing that comes after death is resurrection. You know? Maybe, maybe some of us in the room have been carrying water to a dead stump. Dude, let it die. Uh, get to know the resurrection and the life. Uh, his name is Jesus. The resonances and the echoes of that capital R thing can come to you even this morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, there's more, but we ain't got time for it. Uh, if you're on the band this morning, why don't you come on up? And uh, we, need to, we need to pray this morning for people who are in need of resurrection. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.